Thank you, Kim, choir and orchestra. If you have attended the Christmas pageant, you know that it is absolutely marvelous and the music is incredible. I have been blessed at every performance. I hope that all of you have had the opportunity uh, to participate in that or at least you're going to do so at the four o'clock performance today. Well, as we approach Christmas, what I want to do is to look at some of the characters or some of the events surrounding the birth of Christ. Last week, we began by looking at Joseph and Mary, the earthly parents of Jesus. And today, our focus is going to be on the wise men. When Adam and Eve sinned, God immediately promised that he was going to send a Messiah, that he would send a deliverer, someone to forgive them of their sin. That promise was fulfilled when Jesus was born. He was the fulfillment of the promise that God had made back to Adam and Eve. The response of man to his coming to the promise being fulfilled has been varied but basically unchanged through the centuries. There are those who have denied that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. They have denied that he is the Messiah. In John chapter 1 verse number 11 the scripture says he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. There have been those who deny that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. There are some who ignore his coming, his presence. In fact, I think that probably describes our own day. Mostly what we do in our society is to ignore Jesus. We want Christmas, we just don't want Christ. That is the reason that in so many stores it's Happy Holidays rather than Merry Christmas. In many schools it is winter break rather than Christmas break. In fact, I read that there was a school in Texas this last week who had a teacher to take down a peanut cartoon from the wall or from the door of the classroom because it quoted a scripture verse and they said that you know that is too religious and we don't want to offend anyone and so uh, you have to take that off you know folks Christmas is a religious holiday for heaven's sake I mean it is Christ mass now how in the world are you going to have Christmas if you don't have Christ and besides that it's a federal holiday so it would seem to more uh, to me that if you do not want to recognize Christmas that you should keep working or at least not take any money on that day because it is a holiday recognizing the birth of Jesus. So to say that we can't celebrate Christmas because it is a religious holiday is absurd. There are others who come and celebrate the coming of Christ and that's what we do. We don't deny him, we do not ignore him, we celebrate him. He is the fulfillment of God's promise. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, as we look at the story of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child, and when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. As we look at this passage of Scripture today, what I want you to see is four responses to the birth of Christ. First of all, there are those who seek the truth they want to know. And I would imagine there are some of you present today. Those who want to know, is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the fulfillment of God's promise? Is he the Christ? Some years ago, Josh McDowell spoke in our church. He told the story of witnessing to a man who said that he was an atheist. And Josh asked him, well, are you an honest or a dishonest atheist? He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, an honest atheist is someone who has gone to the library. They have studied apologetics. They have dug into the text. And after study, they have determined that there is no God. He said, that is an honest atheist. The man said, well, no, I, I haven't done that. He said, then you don't know. He said, no, no, I don't know. He said, well, then you're not an atheist, you're an agnostic. He said, what's an agnostic? An agnostic is someone who does not know. Josh said, are you then a, an honest agnostic or a dishonest agnostic? He said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, you don't know, but an honest agnostic would say, but I want to know. He said, yeah. He said, I, 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 would, I want to know. He said, well, then you're not an agnostic, you're a seeker. <laughs> the wise men were seekers. In verse number one, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he? Who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They were seekers. They wanted to know. Albert Barnes wrote, The persons here denoted were philosophers, priests, or astronomers. They dwelt chiefly in Persia and Arabia. They were the learned men of the eastern nations devoted to astronomy, to religion, and to medicine. They were held in high esteem by the Persian court. You see, 
These are men who want to know. They are seekers. And they saw the, the star and knew that the stars, the heavens, gave witness to a creator. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 19, 1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. All of creation testifies to a creator. When you go out at night and look up into the skies and see the beauty of the heavens, it should be a statement to you about a creator who put them there. When we look at the beauty of a flower, we should be drawn to the one who made the flower. That was these wise men. They were seeking, they wanted to know, and they understood that creation testifies to the existence of a creator. Walter F. Burke, general manager of Project Mercury and Gemini, said, I have found nothing in science or space exploration to compel me to throw away my Bible or reject my Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom I trust. I get from the Bible what I cannot get from science, the really important things of life. You see, these men understood that creation testified to a creator. They were seekers. They followed the star. The Apostle Paul says, though, that creation is a condemning witness because there is a creation. It testifies that there is a creator. Thus, Paul says that man is without excuse. He has no excuse because of the witness of creation. Creation leads to the creator as we respond. These men followed the light. You'll notice in verse number 9. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. It was a little light. One star among billions, it was a, a little light. But as they followed it, it was sufficient to lead them to the Christ child. The Bible says that they followed the light, little light, but they followed it. And then the scripture says that they rejoiced in the light in verse number 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Matthew Henry wrote, now they were sure that God was with them and the tokens of his presence and favor cannot but fill with joy unspeakable the souls of those that know how to value them. Folks, the fact is when you come to the light, there's joy in your heart. You might come to religion without joy. You might come to rules and regulations without joy, but you can't come to the light without joy. There's joy in the heart of one who has come to the light. I've read so many times the story of Philip 
as he witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch telling him about God and, and the Lord. He listened intently because he too was a seeker. He wanted to know he was a seeker. And he trusted Jesus. He was so excited. He said, I, I, I want to be baptized. What hinders me from being baptized? He wanted to be baptized because that's what the Lord had said. And so Philip baptized him there. And then the Bible says, and he went on his way rejoicing, rejoicing. That's what Christ brings to our life. When, when we know him, there's joy in our hearts. That doesn't mean that, that we are always happy because happiness is circumstantial. If, if, if there's two words, happen and stance. If my circumstances are favorable, then I am happy. That's not what we receive when we receive Christ. We receive joy. There's joy in our heart. And when these men saw the star, when they saw the light, the Bible says that there was joy. They worshiped the son in verse number 11. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So they followed the light. They rejoiced in the light. And then they worshiped the sun. There's some things I notice about their worship because I think it's still true. First of all, worship, true worship is always characterized by humility. The Bible says that they fell down. Pride will find no presence in the place of Christ. We're not proud whenever we stand before God. There is no pride when we stand before God. There was humility that characterized their worship. They fell down when they came to the light. It's like when Moses met the Lord at the burning bush and God said to him, take off your shoes where you stand as holy ground. Folks, there always should be a, a humility when we, when we come before God. We come to worship. We should come in humility. There's no place for pride when we come before God. Because we recognize that He is God and we are not. We are simply servants of God. There was humility and the, then there was adoration. The Bible says that they worshipped Him. They, they humbled themselves before Him. They fell down and then they worshipped Him and then they gave gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In fact, we refer to the three wise men. We don't know how many there were. The reason it is said that there were three wise men is because there were three presents that are mentioned. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how many there were. There might have been ten. But they gave gifts, which is natural for someone who stands before the Lord and has received the gift of eternal life. So some seek the truth. There are some who know the truth, but they are unaffected by it. That was the scribes and the Pharisees. You'll see in verse number 4, And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them whether Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. Now they knew the truth. The scribes knew the truth that they were asking. They knew the place where he was to be born. Because the prophet had written where he was going to be born 700 years before he was born. And so they quote Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But as for you Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. So the scribes, the Pharisees, the learned people knew the truth. 
They knew where he was to be born. They knew his purpose, that he had come to be the Messiah. He had come to be the Savior of mankind, but they were unaffected by it. They knew the truth. They were unaffected by it. They were not changed. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 13, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Here are some people who knew the truth. They knew the truth about the Messiah, but they were unchanged by it. They didn't have the generous spirit of the wise men who came seeking Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 14, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses. That is a reference to when a man had died and the widow had received the inheritance and they would come and pray with her and do the things that they were doing in order to get the money that had been left to her. There was not a generous spirit. They were religious but not righteous. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 25, you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. The chief priests and the scribes knew the truth, but they were not changed by it. They knew the truth, but they were unaffected by it. Judas knew the truth. He had seen the miracles. He had heard the message. He had seen the lives that had been changed through the gospel. He knew the truth, but he was unaffected by it. And so he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I, I believe today that there are many and perhaps some here who know the truth but you've not been changed by it. You have never been able to get it from here to here. You know the truth, but unaffected by the truth. Let me give you characteristics of those like that. First of all, they are more concerned about man than God, more interested in being politically correct than being scripturally correct more interested in being pleasing to friends than being pleasing to God. Recently I was talking with a pastor and he said, uh, he was telling me about a situation. He said uh, that one of his deacons had come to him and said to him, admonishing him, he said, Pastor, it is your job to ensure the unity of the congregation. No, that's not the pastor's job. The pastor's job is to preach the gospel even if it divides the congregation. See, our call is not to be pleasing to everyone. Our call is to be faithful to God and to His Word. These are more concerned about man than they are God. They're concerned more about religion than they are righteousness. There are those who attend church and they're religious, respectable and all those things, but there is no righteousness demonstrated in their business practices, no righteousness demonstrated in their relationships, 
no righteousness demonstrated in their leisure time, the things that they do. These are concerned about their talk but not their walk. They are more concerned with appearance than they are with substance. There are some who know the truth but they're unaffected by it. And I think that is a sad position in which to be. To know the truth but not be affected by it. Thirdly, there are some who reject the truth. They know the truth but they choose to reject it. That was Herod, if you look at verse number 3. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. So he knew the truth. Herod knew what the truth was, and he believed the truth. I say that he believed the truth because the Bible says that he was troubled by it. Why was he troubled? Because he saw this Messiah to be a king who threatened his own throne. So he was troubled by it. He believed the truth. And he was troubled by it. Thus he rejected the truth. Verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. He knew the truth, he believed the truth, he rejected the truth. He wanted to destroy the Christ child. Another example, people of Bethlehem, they knew the truth. Do you think that one could live in the little town of Bethlehem and not know that the prophet had prophesied the Messiah would be born there? They knew that story. They knew that scripture. They knew that prophecy. They knew the truth and they believed it. They believed the Messiah was going to be born in their town. As a matter of fact, I would imagine that the night Jesus was born, the citizens of Bethlehem were discussing, at least some of them were discussing, that one day the Messiah was going to be born in their little town. But they rejected the truth. There was no room in the end for them. It's, the irony of it is Bethlehem means house of bread. And the bread of life came to the house of bread and was turned away. They knew the truth, but in a sense rejected it. Jerusalem, the city of God, they knew the truth. The town was filled with scholars of Scripture. They, they knew what the truth was. They were troubled by the truth. In verse number 3, when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. They were troubled by the truth because they were concerned that this was going to upset Rome. And they didn't want to upset Rome. So they knew the truth. They were troubled by the truth, and they rejected the truth. The Jews knew the truth and rejected it. Jesus came to them, but his own received him not. Today the world largely rejects the truth. John said the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light. But the world has not been content simply to reject Jesus. They crucified him. They wanted to do away with him. 
I think the reason for that is because they not, the world not only believes that he is the, the Savior, but they're troubled by it. Just as Herod was troubled by it, just as Jerusalem was troubled by it, because it would impact them. So the world has rejected him. There are those who reject the truth, and fourthly, there are those who accept the truth. Countless millions have done that. They have received him as the promised Messiah, Savior. The wise men sought him. No price was too great, no distance too far. They found him. As we respond to the light that God gives, God gives enough light to lead us to the Christ. I really believe that. The light that God gives might be minuscule. The light that one has might not be that bright. But if one responds to the light that God has given, he will give more light and lead to the Savior. They accepted him, the wise men did. Verse number 11, and they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him. We saw last week that the earthly parents of Jesus received him. Joseph at first was hesitant to take Mary, but the angel confirmed to her that the child was from the Holy Spirit, and so he married her. He received that. It was costly to Mary as well. She said, be it done to me according to thy will. It was costly, but she responded in faith. Simeon, Simeon had awaited the promise of the Messiah. He had been told that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple for dedication, Simeon held him in his arms and said, My eyes have seen thy salvation. This is the fulfillment of the promise, and he accepted him. Anna she saw him and believed. She came up and began giving thanks to God. Many of you have received him as well. In fact, I would think most of you have received him. Like the wise men, you have sought him. And Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. Like the wise men, you have sought him and you accept him as the Son of God, the Messiah who had been promised. Let me conclude. Does it matter how one responds to the Christ of Christmas? Does it matter? We're celebrating Christmas. Does it matter how one responds to the Christ of Christmas? Yes, it matters eternally. Because the Bible says that if you reject him, he will reject you. Luke 12, 9 says, But he who denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So the Lord has said, if, and, and, and that you're right, if you reject me, then I will reject you. But if you receive him, then he receives you. Luke 12, 8, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man shall confess him also before the angels of God. See, that's the thing that's important. If you reject him, he rejects you. If you receive him, he receives you. So let me ask you a question. Which are you? Are you a seeker? 
Are you seeking the truth? Are you honest or dishonest as a seeker? Do you know him but have not been affected by it? You know the truth but you have not been changed by it? Have you rejected him? Well, then I would ask you, are you determined to reject him? Is that what you plan to do? I plan to reject him all my life. If you say no, well, then how long are you going to reject him? How long will it be? And did you know that Satan will buy your life one day at a time? There's probably no one here who would say, you know, I am not saved. I, I don't know the Lord but in one year from today, I'm going to be saved. We wouldn't do that, you know why? Because we have no guarantee and we know that things can happen during that year. So Satan says, just don't do it today. And one day at a time, he buys our life. Another question is, would you receive him today? Would you receive Christ today? Our Father and God, we come thanking you for the advent of your son that he came to live on this earth, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead that we might have life. I pray, Father, for those today who are honest seekers of Jesus, want to know the truth. I pray that your spirit might confirm to them the truth of Jesus, that they might receive him in Christ's name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you to come and trust Him today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they, they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.